Uh, today we start a brand new series called Living My Best Life, Living My Best Life. And the tagline to the series is, is exploring the abundant life of Christ, exploring the abundant life of Christ. Now, maybe you've heard people reference this hashtag before, maybe not, but these are people who are essentially saying, man, I am, life is good. That's what they're saying. Life is good. Life couldn't be any better. They're, they're saying, you know, I, right now, I'm, I'm just enjoying the ride. I'm living my best life. In fact, I want to share with you a few examples here this morning of people living their best life. These are, uh, these are posts that I pulled right off of Instagram using the hashtag, living my best life. I feel like I'm a little hot, guys. I don't know if it feels like that out there, but I, I feel like I'm hot here. Not like, I know I'm hot, but yeah, my microphone is hot. So if, yeah, you guys can adjust that because I'm going to get going here in a little while. You know how I get when I start preaching. So... All right, so I want to give you just a few examples here this morning of people living their best life. Here, here's just one example. Here's someone sitting by a peaceful lake just reading a book. Or in this moment, taking a picture of themselves reading a book, sitting by a lake. But regardless, this is someone who is living their best life. They're feeling good about life. Life is peaceful. Life is good. I like this next one. The the joy on this baby's face says it all. I mean, she's loving life. She's in her little floaty thing on a hot summer day, floating around in her pool. She is living her best life. I, I like this one. This person seemed to hit a new record with her weight loss program, and her caption says she's 0.4 pounds away from hitting her 75-pound weight loss goal. Go Cats Fit Journey 15. I mean, that's amazing. She's living her best. She's crushing it right now. She's living her best life. Here's another girl all the way from the UK who's living her best life. She just got done running a three-mile run, and she's feeling good about it, and she wants to let the world know, hey, world, I am living my best life. I'm feeling good about this. Here's this one last post, not of a person, but nonetheless, living their best life. Here's Wally the rescue dog in his glory right now, just getting rubbed down with all kinds of loving from, the, from his owners. I mean, he is living his best life. Now listen, folks, whether you know this or not, you and I have something in common with all of these people who posted these posts. Now, I realize you may never have even uttered the words, living my best life, but the truth is this. No matter who you are, no matter where you come from, no matter your background, your upbringing, no matter your religious belief systems or, 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 or values, at the end of the day, we are all trying to live the best versions of our lives that we can possibly live, are we not? We're getting up every morning to try to pursue whatever the good life is in our sort of interpretation and in our minds, right? None of us are getting up in the morning trying to find ways to make our lives qualitatively worse, right? None of us are trying to make our lives more difficult. Rather, no, we're trying to pursue the best version of our lives that we can live. And after all, why wouldn't we? Because on this side of heaven, we only got this one life to live, and most of us want to make the most of it. Right, And so, as a, so whether you're a follower of Jesus or whether you're, you don't know Christ at all, maybe you're checking out church for the first time today, the fact of the matter is this. If you've got a pulse in your body and if you've got a beating heart, all of us are in the pursuit of the good life or the best life. Again, you can interpret that how you will. But now what if I were to tell you this morning 
that the best version of your life that you can possibly live cannot be lived apart from Jesus. What if I were to tell you here this morning that the good life you're looking for can only be found in Christ and in Christ alone? That the key to living your best life is to actually lose your life to Jesus. In other words, to give every part of your life over to him. Now, some of you are like, of course, you would say that. You're a preacher. Like, you're supposed to say things like that. My hope, friends, is that by the end of our time, you would walk out of here convinced, just as sure as I am, that when you lose your life, that is actually when you begin to live your best life. In other words, the big idea for today, I, I like to say it this way. When you live your life outside of God's best, you end up settling for far less. When you live your life outside of God's best, you actually end up settling for far less. Friends, I've seen this play out in my own life. I've seen this play out in the lives of countless others. That when you live your life outside of God's best, you actually end up settling for far less. That's why there's so much power behind the promise of Christ in John chapter 10. In fact, if you have your Bibles, you can turn there with me now to John chapter 10. If you need a Bible, go ahead and shoot a hand up and we'll have some folks coming around and they could get a Bible to you if you're looking along with us in these hardback Bibles. We're on page 896. If you need a Bible, raise your hand and uh, we'll get one to you. If you don't own a Bible, we'd love to gift this to you. And so, Guys, let's go ahead and, uh, and see if anyone needs one. Now, the verse we're going to look at here today is John chapter 10, verse 10. We're going to look at this one verse. John chapter 10, verse 10. The entire series that we're, we're building this on, Live in My Best Life, is built on this single verse. John chapter 10, verse 10. In fact, I want us to read it out loud together here this morning. It's a real short verse. It's not a real lengthy passage of Scripture. And we'll also put the text up here on the screen. And uh, we're going to be reading out of the English Standard Version. And uh, I'd love for us to read the words of Jesus together here this morning. And so John chapter 10, verse 10, let's read together. Ready? Here we go. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Remember, this is Jesus talking. Let's read this one more time together. Ready? Here we go. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Friends, Jesus offers us the best version of our lives that we can live, and he calls it the abundant life. The abundant life. And for the next several weeks, we're going to explore what the abundant life of Christ actually looks like. But before we get into any of that, we've got to understand something. The abundant life is simply an invitation. you got to hear me on this. This is an important piece before we unpack the series. The abundant life is simply an invitation. In other words, the abundant life is something that Christ offers to us. He never imposes it upon us. Christ never imposes a certain lifestyle upon us. He simply invites us into this life. And because it's an offer, because it's an invitation, it is up to us whether we will take him up on the offer and step into this life that Christ is offering us or if we will ignore it and walk away from it altogether. And that choice, friends, is entirely up to us. That decision is entirely 
up to us. And so the question this morning that we've got to settle in our own minds and in our own hearts is, why should I pursue this abundant life of Christ? What value is there in pursuing the abundant life? Why should I take Christ up on this offer? Now listen, maybe for some of you who have been walking with Jesus for some time, you've got a relationship with him, you, you've grown up in the church, and you've got a vibrant, walking, living relationship with Christ, you might be saying to yourself, this is a no-brainer. Of course, I, I would give my life to him, trade my life for his best version of, of my life. Of course, I would do that. In fact, some of you might even say that losing your life to Jesus was the best decision you've ever made in your life. And still yet, for others of us, we might be wondering, wait a minute, how is the abundant life of Christ any better than, than a version of my life that I would create for myself? After all, I know what I like, I know what I want, I know what I need, so let me do me, right? Let me craft my life the way I will. Pastor, how are you telling me that when I lose my life to Jesus, that's when I begin to live my best life? That makes zero sense. And to you, friend, I would say, I get it, and I'm with you. And hopefully in the course of these next few moments that we have together, I can give you some reasons why I believe that the life that Christ offers us is actually better than any Instagram-worthy post of hashtag livingmybestlife that we can create for ourselves. In fact, the first reason is right off the bat, there's more to life. The reason why we would pursue the abundant life of Christ in the first place is because there is more to life. There is more to life than what we're experiencing. There is more to life than what we're perceiving and sensing with our five senses. Friends, hear me. What Jesus is saying here in this little compact verse is he's saying there is more to life. There is more to life. You see, John chapter 10, verse 10, is buried, and it's easy to miss because it's buried. It's buried in the context of Jesus talking about a good shepherd and a bunch of sheep. And he uses this metaphor, this analogy, to basically say, listen, y'all are the sheep, I'm the shepherd. When you come to me, O sheep, you will find everything you've ever needed. That's essentially the, the, the abridged version of what Jesus is saying here in John chapter 10. He says, when you come to me, O sheep, the good shepherd, you will find everything you've ever needed. And so according to Jesus, listen now, it's possible to have nothing in this world but have all of Jesus and feel like you've got everything you need. Equally, it is possible to have everything in this world but not have Jesus and you'll feel spiritually bankrupt. You'll feel like you've got nothing. Because what you'll find time and time again is that your heart, my heart, was created for something more than what this world can offer us. I remember this summer after I graduated high school, my parents sent me off to, to Korea to get in touch with my roots because they felt like I was losing touch with my Koreanness, And uh, when, when, when I started dating outside of the Korean circle, they, their, their panic flag went up. They said, oh, nope, 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 you gotta get in touch with your roots, son. And so they sent me off to Korea, they sent me off to learn the language and, and learn the culture and all these wonderful things. Or at least that's, that's what they thought I was doing when I went off to Korea. In reality, some of you know this part of my story, 
for three months in Korea, I was partying like there was no tomorrow. I was partying like there was no tomorrow. I got into a group of friends who loved to drink, smoke, and party, and hook up with all kinds of girls, and so that's what I did. That was the story of my summer months before I went off to college. And, and, and the, the way, the routine of my life, the routine of my day would basically be, come, come evening time, we would go out to the bars and clubs and, and drink, find some girls to hook up with, and then puke along the way, somewhere along the way, and then crawl into bed at 4 a.m., only to get up the next morning to rinse and repeat. Now, before I go on, friends, let me just make something clear. This is not the pastor giving you permission to say, now, this is fine, go ahead and do this. No, no, that's not the point of the story. That is not the moral of the story. My hope is that you hear the deeper meaning behind the story. But the fact is, every night, I would go out, hit the bars, go to the clubs, drink, hook up, puke, crawl into bed at 4 a.m., and do it all over day after day. Now, for some of you, you're like, that sounds terrible, that sounds awful, and still, yeah, for others of you, no judgment, you're like, that was my last weekend, Pastor, like, that's, and, and that's, that's cool, but, but hear me, Here, here's what I started discovering. As a young person who just got out of high school and I was about to go off to college, if I could just be really honest with you, that kind of life seemed really appealing to me at first. It did. There was something about that life that I was like, man, I... I, I didn't get a chance to, to do all that, like, in high school, and so here I am in Korea, like, I, I don't know how many miles away from home, and I'm just going to live my best life in Korea, and I'm going to do me, and I'm going to go crazy, and I went crazy, and, and, and I, I lost my mind doing this, but would you know that literally every night, every night, this, without fail, every night, as I crawled into my bed at 4 a.m., And as I stared up at the ceiling in my dorm room, I remember feeling this unshakable, haunting feeling that I was wasting my life away. I don't know if you've ever been in that existential crisis moment where you feel like, holy crap, what am I doing with my life? I feel like I'm just wasting. God gave me this one life to live. And whether you believe in God or not, the fact is you got one life to live. I don't care who you think gave it to you, but you've got one life to live. And in that moment, I had this haunting feeling. I was just wasting it all the way. In fact, I remember literally lying in my bed again at 4 a.m., staring up at the ceiling in my half-inebriated state, actually saying out with these words, God, is this it? There's got to be more to life than this. this. This can't be as good as it gets. I felt this gaping hole inside this vacuum that I couldn't fill. But no matter how many times I went out to the bars, no matter how many times I hooked up with these many girls, no matter how many times I, feel, I tried filling that hole, I still came back to my dorm saying to myself, God, there's got to be more. This can't be it. What I was experiencing in that moment, friends, was what the French philosopher Blaise Pascal described. He said it this way. What else does this craving, and that's what it is. It's a craving for many of us. What else does this craving and this helplessness proclaim but that there was once in a man a true happiness of which all that now remains is the empty print and trace. He goes on and he says, this he tries in vain 
to fill with everything around him, seeking in things that are not there the help he cannot find in those that are, though none can help, since this infinite abyss can be filled only with an infinite and immutable object, in other words, by God himself. Or to put it more simply, in the words of the ancient church father, St. Augustine, thou hast made us for thyself, O Lord, and our hearts are restless until they find their rest in thee. See, friends, you and I were created for more. We were created for more, and according to Jesus, he says the only way you can access that more is through me. You can't fill it anywhere else. The only way you can tap into that more and access that more is through me and exclusively me. And so why should we pursue the abundant life of Christ? Because there's more to life. And my God, I hope, I hope somewhere along your college career, we grab hold on to that truth and that conviction for ourselves that there is more to life than this. Whatever this is, whatever best version of your life that you would craft for yourself, that we would convince on this side of heaven, I know that there is more to life than this. Which leads me to my second point. We pursue the abundant life of Christ because there is no limit to God's abundance. There is no limit to God's abundance. Think about this for a minute. How incredibly depressing of a message would this be if we said, guys, there's more to life but good luck finding it, right? Like, there's, there's more to life. Like, God created you for more, but I'm sorry to break the news to you. He doesn't have more to give to you, right? Like, God knows you have a longing for more, but unfortunately, he can't do anything about that. Oh, what if Jesus said in John chapter 10, 10, listen, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. And that's just that, that's just the way it is. I mean, I'm sorry to tell you. Like, you're on your own. I'm sorry. I, I, I can't help you here. What a hopeless message. What a hopeless situation we would find ourselves in if that were the case. But no. Not only does Jesus say, I have come that you may have life and have it abundantly. But notice, I want you to see, if you have your Bibles open, look at the verse right before in verse 9. Jesus says in John chapter 10, verse 9, I am the door. Now, now this is an interesting concept. In fact, a couple of years ago, we did a whole series on the, on the seven I am statements of Jesus in the gospel of John. In, in the gospel of John, Jesus identifies himself with these seven I am statements. And this is one of those statements where he says, I am the door. Now, listen to what he says about himself. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out. There's that door picture. Will go in and out and to find what? Pasture. He will go in and out and find pasture. You see, you got to understand, pasture represented many things for sheep. Remember, this is in the context of the good shepherd and, and a bunch of sheep, right? Like, and so for sheep, pasture signified several things. It signified nourishment. It signified sustenance, a source of life. This was, this was what kept sheep going, the, the pasture. The pasture also provided things like protection and security and safety and peace. And what Jesus is saying here is, when you give your life over to me, you will be given access to my pasture. When you come to me, the door, the good shepherd, the one who gives you and offers you the abundant life, when you take me up on that offer, guess what? You are now given access to my pasture. And how many of you know God's pasture is endless? 
It is rich. His resources never run out. The reason we can ask more of God is because he has more to give. God's abundance knows no limit. The problem is we're not always convinced of that. We're not always convinced that God's pasture is as green and lush as he says it is. And so we go looking for greener grass somewhere else. We go looking for a better pasture elsewhere. But the fact of the matter remains, everything you pursue on this side of heaven will have limitations, I promise you. Everything you pursue on this side of heaven will have limitations. Every pasture you graze on outside of God's pasture will leave you empty, dry, and hungry for more. Because all of our earthly pursuits have natural limitations. For instance, your relationships and your friendships will disappoint you at various times. Maybe it even did this past week. Right? Your relationships will fail you time and time again. Your job, hate to break it to you, will probably change at some course. You may shift jobs. Very rarely will someone stick with one job until, until they're buried in the grave. Your job will change probably more than once. Money comes and goes. Success is incredibly elusive. One second you feel like you're successful, another, another moment you feel like an utter failure. Right? Success is incredibly elusive. Fame rises and falls in an instant. Your reputation will fade in time. But when you pursue the all-powerful, all-knowing God of the universe, what you'll discover is a limitless God with endless resources. That's what you find. That's why we take Christ up on his offer of the abundant life. Because we serve a God who knows no limit. The abundant life of Christ offers us, that Christ offers us, knows no limit because God has no limits. And that's why we pursue the abundant life of Christ. Because at the end of the day, everything else in life has limits. God does not. Everything else in life. Now, I'm not saying don't pursue things. Don't pursue a good job. Don't pursue a relationship. No, no, no. Obviously, we pursue that, but not at the expense of the pursuit that we are burning hot for when it comes to pursuing Christ. And so we say, you know what? We're just going to pursue the abundant life of Christ because at the end of the day, a lot of things on this side of heaven will fail me, but I know, I know God will not. So why do we pursue the abundant life of Christ? Because there's more to life. We know that there's more to life. And two, because there is no limit to God's abundance. Finally, let me offer up this last point. Why do we pursue the abundant life of Christ? Because our pursuits matter. Because our pursuits matter. Friends, I hope you grab hold of this. What we pursue matters, and it matters greatly. It matters profoundly. You see, the pursuits of your life often determine the quality of your life. What you pursue in life will determine the quality of your life. In, in fact, the things you pursue will serve as a great indicator of who you will become. You want to know who you'll become? Examine your pursuits. What are you after? That's going to be a pretty telltale sign of, of the kind of person you will become in the future. Some people have said it this way. You are what you love. You are what you love. 
A lot of people say, you know, you are what you do, right? Like, what you do is who you are. And so a lot of, you know, first-time interactions, so what do you do? What do you do? What do, you, what do you, like, as if what we do is who we are, but a, a deeper sort of way of looking at that is even more than what you do, you are what you love because what you do will flow out of what you love. And so you are what you love. Your pursuits matter, and that's why it's so important to be aware of what we're pursuing. In fact, this is an exercise that I've done in the past for myself, and I encourage other folks to do this as well, and that is to create a vision, to create a picture of the kind of person you want to be. One way to do this is to write your own eulogy. Maybe you've done this exercise before, or maybe you've heard of this exercise, but write your own eulogy. Come the end of your life, at your funeral, what do you want said about you? What is the legacy that you want left behind? When people think about your life and the life that you lived, when so-and-so lived their life on earth, here's what comes to mind when I think about them. Here are the impressions and, and, the, and, the, and the thoughts and the memories that come to mind. Write your own eulogy. What do you want said about you at your own funeral? When you create the vision and, and, and when that vision and picture starts to emerge to the surface, make it your life priority to become that person. i got to tell you, it is amazing how few people actually have a sense of the kind of person they want to become. So many people that I come in contact with, and if I'm left to my own devices and, and just sort of let me live life the way I would naturally live it, so many people just kind of live life without giving any thought of who they're becoming. They just sort of let life take them where it will. Now listen, I'm a very go-with-the-flow kind of guy in a lot of areas of my life, but I don't want to just kind of aimlessly float through life and just let life take me where it will. Whenever I have done that, a moment of testimony, okay, whenever I have done that, I have found life taking me to places I did not want to be. Life has a way of taking us down roads and paths that lead to some regret and mistakes where you, you look back and you're like, man, what, why did I do that? Void of that picture, that vision of the kind of person you want to become, you're going to let life take you. Remember what Jesus said? You have an enemy of your soul that seeks to steal from you, kill you, and destroy you. And if we're not at least aware of that, we will never experience the abundant life that Christ offers us if we just let life take us where it will. See why your pursuits matter? You see why what you pursue in life, why your pursuits determine the quality of your life? And so for the next several weeks, I want to help create a picture of your future self. Now, I'm not going to give you in great detail of what that picture looks like. You've got to custom make that for yourself. But I want to help paint a picture of the abundant life of Christ and what that might look like for you and for me as the people of God. One of the ways we're going to do that is by talking about the battlefield of the mind and how so much of the reason why we're not experiencing the abundant life of Christ because of the war that's going on up here. Some of us can't get past the war up here to even access a thought about living the abundant life of Christ. We can't even imagine what the abundant life of Christ looks like because we're crippled by our self-talk. And so the battlefield of the mind, and so we're going to ask the question, what would it look like to give the Holy Spirit of God access to renew our minds for his sake? 
We're going to talk about different pathways to breakthrough and how accessing the abundant life of Christ is oftentimes through these very simple and ordinary pathways that we can incorporate into the daily rhythms of our lives in order to experience breakthrough. Some of us need breakthrough in our spiritual journeys. What we're talking about is longing for the abundant life but not having it yet. And so how do we get that? How do we get there? It's through these very simple and ordinary pathways to breakthrough that we're going to discuss. We're going to talk about the complexities of our soul and uncovering issues. Why do we do what we do? And how do we begin to change what we do so that we can begin to live out this abundant life of Christ that Christ offers us? Now, that's just a glimpse of some of the things that we'll be talking about in the coming weeks. But friends, my hope, my hope for this series is that at some point... Whether it's next week or we're going to take this uh, series into the next several weeks. But whenever that happens, my hope is that we would have a well-developed picture in our minds of what the abundant life of Christ looks like. So that every single one of us might be convinced that the best version of my life is lived when it's found in Christ and in Christ alone. That I actually live my best life when I lose my life. That when I live my life outside of God's best I'm actually settling for so much less when Christ has so much more. I'm going to wrap up here. In fact, the worship team can come on up and uh, get ready to lead us in this final song here this morning. But as I wrap up, if I can just speak to one category of people here today, because I don't know all who's in the room and, and where your spiritual journeys are and where you are with the Lord. I want to speak to those real quickly who may not have a relationship with Christ this morning. You, you, you might be here today because a friend invited you, and to, and to you, I'd say, welcome. I, we're so glad you're here. Uh, we, we hope that something you heard today was, was helpful to you and, 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 and beneficial to, to your walk in life. And maybe you're here today because you're in search for some guidance or direction, and you feel like, hey, I've never given church a shot. I've never given God a shot, so might as well, what the heck. And so maybe you're here because you're just trying to figure some stuff out uh, when it comes to your life. Whatever the reason is, we're glad you're here. But I do want to say this. If you're here today, and you resonate, you resonated with an aspect, an element of what we talked about, maybe... Maybe you resonated with this internal tension that I was alluding to, that, that like, I feel like there's more to life. I, and and I, again, as, as, a, as someone who's not walking with the Lord, you might not have a category for that. You might just say, I just feel unsettled. I feel anxious. I feel like there's something missing. And to that friend, I'd say, yes, there is. There is. Until you find life in Christ, I'm afraid that you will always feel that tension of there is something missing. Because God put that longing in your heart, believe it or not. And the only person that can fill that longing is the one who put it in there. And so maybe you're here today, you don't have faith in Christ, or maybe you're not walking with the Lord. But you're like, man, I, I'm not entirely sure about this whole abundant life, but... I, if Christ is offering it to me, I, I might want to take him up on that offer. To that friend, I'd say, well, you're welcome to do that. And here's how you can do that. You can just bow in prayer. In just a few moments, we're going to go to prayer. And just in the privacy of your own seat, in your own space, your own mind, you can just offer up the simple prayer. God, I don't know about all this 
following you and losing my life to you, but, but if this life that you're offering me is truly marked by abundance, I want to trade my best version of my life for the best version that you have for me. I trade my life for your life. If what you say in John 10, 10 is actually true, that you have come to give me life and have it abundantly, and I know I'm not experiencing that now, but I do know that I want to, I want to give you permission to do that. So I give you my life. You can do that right there in your seats. And if you pray that prayer, we would love to pray with you. We're going to have a prayer team come up in just a little while, and you can feel free to come up to receive prayer. We'd love to bless what God is doing in your life. And then come back next week as we discuss further what it looks like, this abundant life of Christ looks like. Now, for those of you who are followers of Jesus and you grew up in the church and you're like, yeah, you know, I know there's more to life and I know God's, you know, God's abundance is limitless and all of these wonderful things, maybe for you, you're like, this message isn't really for me. This message is for someone who's not walking with the Lord and they're, you know, this is like a, an evangelistic message. No, it's not. It's not. My hope for you if you are walking with the Lord, is that you would not settle for less, but you would hunger for more. I can't tell you how many times I have seen an incredible move of God come upon a hungry people of God. God will not move amongst the people who are not hungry for him. He won't. Because you know what that says? That says, God, we're good. We don't need you, and we essentially shut the proverbial door to God, and we say, God, you can stay out there. We're doing fine in here. But hungry people, hungry people fling wide open those doors and say, God, we need you. I need you. I've got, I, I can't, I can't fulfill my longing for abundance and the better life by myself and on my own. God, I need you. I need you. And so, friend, for those of you who are, who are followers of Jesus, who identify as, as Christians, can I just plead with you? Hunger for more, because there is more of God to be had. That's why Paul says in Philippians, I count it all as loss, even at his stage of life, even after knowing Christ and walking with Jesus in a literal way, the way Paul did, he said, I count it all as loss for the sake of knowing Christ, the Savior, my Lord, I count it all as loss. For this pursuit of knowing and accessing and having more of God. Friends, there is more of God to be had in your life. Would you hunger for more of that? Don't settle for less, but hunger for more.